Who's in Bed with the Nazis edition of Spin Cycle, the media show that tries to make sense of the chaos that is our 24-hour news cycle, broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Jess Lilly and I am joined, as ever, in the studio by Crikey reporter Charlie Lewis. G'day, Charlie. Hey, Jess. How are you going? Uh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm. You're still on night shift, aren't you? I was until yesterday, but, I, but so for all intents and purposes, yes. I can yes, tell I... you're just wobbly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like you've just got on a off a Boeing seven four seven from the middle of nowhere. Um, it's funny how last week we were saying it was a, a single issue week in the media, and this week has been anything but. There's been the stark symbolism and dodgy optics all round with a turf tour bringing Nazis out into the streets under police protection, some media revisionism on the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq, a climate apologist at the press club as another die warning uh, from the IPCC seemed to um, roll on through the media headlines like tumbleweed. Albo pictured cosying up to Joe Hockey, which was, um, you know... Just a little moment in the that barely in the registered media, didn't it? In the media <laughs> landscape, and today he was standing side by side with the ref- referendum working group, finally announcing the voice question. I was going to say, Charlie, spin the wheel and let's see where we begin, but we've decided to bypass all that and just bring our guest on. Yes, <laughs> you, and it's the, too I, much. I, I think it says a lot that you didn't even mention <laughs> that there's going to be an election in the biggest state in the country. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, just... that didn't even make the news this week. It was that. It was that messed up. Completely. Um, I've just. Shut that down yeah. for my. I, you know what? I will watch it though. I love watching an election. Yeah, yeah. I love watching an election. Um, just for something, you know, completely different. No, we're, we're just going to stay on like radicalizing hate for a moment. But, you know, we, we you know, we will get out of it at some point. But um, actually, we're really um, excited to be joined by Josh Thorburn, who's undertaking a PhD in criminology at Monash Uni, exploring the construction of gender within online forums, looking particularly at discussions around singleness and involuntary celibacy or incel culture. There's also femcel culture, which we'll be getting into. Um, usually when incel culture makes the news, it's for some pretty horrific reasons as violent ideology spills from online forums into mainstream violence. It's one of those things that none of us um, really, it's not in our periphery and so when we know about it, it's all through media framing and um, interestingly this week's Four Corners uh, episode on the subject chose a really different angle, applying some empathy to its subjects and humanising their plight. So uh, we thought it would be a great time to chat to Josh about his own recent research um, that looks at um, a couple of forums on um, uh, Reddit that are working as kind of exit ramps from the manosphere. Uh, Welcome, Josh, to chat to us now. Now, I'm just going to ask you to pull that microphone really close to your face. You're tall and we didn't have time <laughs> yes, to, to get two more diminutive people we, were, we didn't <laughs> fair enough all right well thank you so much for having me on it's so exciting to be here it's great to have you here um josh like all kind of radical cultish ideologies i guess there's a real belief system and language around incel and femcel culture which can uh, can be really hard to as soon as this kind of you know, um, black pill and um, there's there's lots of language, mm. chads and all this sort of stuff. As soon as those sort of you see that stuff, it's hard to kind of get through that. Can you just give us an overview of what the landscape looks like? 
Yeah, sure. Do you want me to just like define yeah, some that'd terms? Because I'm sure. Look, I I know from researching this and talking to people about my research, I often just meet very blank stares. <laughs> so, I'll give I'll give a little bit, bit of the rundown. So, in the literal sense, an incel is an involuntarily celibate person. Uh, but it's actually quite a contested term, which I could come back to a, a bit later. Um, and it was actually coined by a woman in the late 90s. But today the term is associated with this online movement of men and boys who are an involuntarily celibate, but who also subscribe to an extremely misogynistic idea ideology as well. Um, do you want me to talk about the manosphere perhaps yeah, as that well? Because that's, yeah, that's a good. word that comes up a lot as well. So... Um, I think it makes it really easy to to dismiss or rubbish um, rubbish the rubbish it, I suppose, or just sort of dismiss it as something really kind of. It's like QAnon, you mm. know. When you hear words like manosphere, it's quite easy to take the piss out of that. <laughs> so it would be good to understand what it means within within that culture. Yeah. All right. Um, so the manosphere, just broadly, it's kind of like an umbrella term. Uh, there's a whole assortment of these different anti-feminist misogynistic forums and groups and figures, and they loosely share similar ideas and language, but they also like differ quite a lot too. So I'm going to talk about maybe the red pill first, because that's something that's kind of the starting point. So um, the red pill is this metaphor uh, that, I don't know, it actually stems from The Matrix, (laughs) the movie, which is a bit bizarre. I've never actually watched the movie. Anyway, uh, basically what they refer to here is that, you know, they believe that men who have taken the the red pill believe that they are awoken to, like, the supposedly terrible ways of, of women quite broadly. Uh, so they say that, you know, society isn't, isn't patriarchal. It's actually ruled by a so-called gynocracy. Um, yeah. But a what? A, a gynocracy. Uh-huh. Can you please elaborate? Uh, it's it's a term of their own making, you know. V- vagina? Like vagina? Yes, yes. like okay. in that. Like in thank that. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, let's move on. I'll move on. So I think the most important feature of, like, the red pill and, and these groups, though, is they, they often uh, think about these ideas in terms of dating and relationships. Yeah. So in that context, the gist of the red pill is that, like, you know, women are supposedly innately attracted to... Uh, alpha males, so they consider an alpha male to be someone that may be quite tall or rich and or muscular and dominant uh, to the point of being quite mean, actually. So in the red pill side of things, you know, they believe that, uh, you know, pickup artists like Andrew Tate, they'll say that, you know, if you want to be successful with dating women, you, you have to try and be like this alpha male kind of stereotype. Mm. Um, on the incel side of things... Uh, they believe in something called a black pill, which you mentioned before, Jess. Um, So basically what that refers to is incels kind of take a much more nihilistic and deterministic view of things. They believe that they're inherently ugly and unattractive to women and they believe that anything, uh, you know, any effort to try and become more alpha is just a waste of time. They just believe that they're permanently going to be like this uh, kind of low-tier, unmasculine kind of man. So they the believe that... Biology has forsaken them because yes. they're not tall, they're not bulked, they're not... Um, yeah, there's things that they can't control. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Jeff, does this does, um, this may this may not be something that you've researched, but I'd be really interested to know. A, a, a while ago, some mates of mine went through bad breakups, yeah. and they got into books like the game and like pickup mm. artistry and stuff like that. And a lot of the terminology that you've said vaguely rings a couple of bells, particularly and the idea of like I guess r- relating social relations back to kind of biological imperatives and women mm. want to be dominated and they want you know all that kind of yeah. stuff. Is is the, are there any like direct limits, uh, direct connections between those two movements? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, You know, I think some people will specifically refer to like the start of the red pill movement as being kind of popularized by that, that the game. The game, yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's certainly kind of a starting point perhaps. And then I guess with the internet gradually and social media gradually just has kind of morphed into its own things and you know those sorts of ideas have evolved a bit yeah i think i mean that's something that i'm interested to ask about because there's a difference between you know some guys um um you know being nihilistic about their chances with women and and chatting about it on a forum to it becoming this um quite um far-reaching internet kind of culture that that has, uh, you know, um, bef- before we get into the ways that <clears throat> the media reports it and perhaps should be reporting it differently, it has had some incredibly um, damaging outcomes. And the, the, the things that we do know about it publicly are when it crosses over from online forums into real-life violence, and that has happened in America and the UK. Um how did it become, build to such a huge how, – how do you think it, you know, f- from your experience hanging out in the forums, how did it build to become such a, a big subculture online? I mean, it's hard to kind of say exactly. It's I guess it's a confluence of many different factors. Certainly uh, the the movement was pretty it – became, it became known to a lot more people in the wake of – uh, two separate kind of lone offender attacks committed by people inspired by their ideology. The first being in 2014 um, in the US, another being in 2018 in, in Canada. And I think that certainly gave a lot more media coverage than, mm. you know, that terminology just became more well known. I think things like, I'm speculating a bit here, but, you know, you might have seen kind of Chad versus Virgin (laughs) memes. Like Mm. their their terminology has just got picked up on in broader broader internet culture as well, I guess. So, but look, it's a hard question to answer. There's so many potential reasons why Mm. they have grown in popularity or at least appear to. And in terms of, I suppose, to bring it back to what we always talk about on Spin Cycle, which is the media, um, how do you how do you assess, but generally, both generally and, and sort of more specifically, the recent stuff, say on Four Corners, how do you assess the reporting in terms of its how responsible it's been, how ethical it's been, how effective it's been? I suppose. Look, that's such a broad question. Yeah, a it's broad it's question. hard I to. Yes. Yeah, I think. Let's start with. Let's, the, yeah, let's, let's start with the more historical reporting and and the what we would have read. You know, because if you know, when I first kind of read about it, I I basically um, would have told you this is a really violent you know, subsection of humanity who want to do ill in the real world to people based on. Um, based on what I've read in media coverage. Can you talk us through a little bit about the media response initially when it started to bubble up from, say, forums into the mainstream? 
I mean, I think in in many ways the media has done a relatively good job. You know, they've called out that these groups, uh, specifically the incel group, um, you know, that their ideology is really misogynistic. It mm. is really extremist and it has contributed, you know, it has inspired people to commit acts of violence. Mm. Um, you know, there is even research to suggest that there's a correlation between the amount of uh, incel tweets in a given uh, area and the amount of actual violence against women. Wow. So, wow. There, you know, there is cause for concern about these groups. I think, uh, you know, some other... I do have some certain issues with how the media reports where they maybe get it wrong a bit, um, which I can talk to a bit. So I think on the one hand... I think the I, I guess because they emerged around like 2014, 2016 and 2018, yeah, that sort of timeline, you know, they, they came they came to uh, popularity a lot around the time of the alt right. Mm. And you know, I was actually researching in the alt right and that's how I heard about incels and mm. I think generally there was kind of confla- conflation between the two. And there's certainly an overlap. There's there's definitely a contingent of incels who are white supremacists. But I wouldn't... Co- yeah. yeah, just just sorry to interrupt, but there was one of the, um, you know, obviously we've had um, our own brush with Nazis in Melbourne the, the past weekend and, um, you know, m- many of them were very identifiable, identifiable because they didn't wear masks and um, it was easy to work out who was who. And I, I was kind of um, doing some reading through... Um, the excellent reporting of White White Rose, and one of them who came up um, there had the word incel in their username mm. on TikTok. You know, so there is that. There is obvious. There must be uh, some links between there, these subcultures. Yeah, there's definitely links. There's definitely overlap. Um, you know, there's I guess similar kind of emphasis on these deterministic ways of thinking about the world and very essentialistic ideas about gender, biology, like what women's roles are, what men's roles are. There's definitely ideological overlap. The thing is, though, you know, when you actually go in incel forums, they're quite diverse places in a lot of ways. You, you, you're encountering people who are coming, who say they're from all parts of the world, um, you know, often they'll talk about ethnicity and there's this uh, debate where, you know, certain users will say that, you know, if you're a white user, maybe they'll say that they can't find a date because um, women only like uh, African men, like black men. Then you'll have, like, Asian users will say that women only like white men. So there's right. this weird kind of mm. competition where people will say that, you know, they can't ever possibly get a girlfriend because of X, Y, Z reason and they'll talk about, you know, maybe it's their height, maybe it's their ethnicity, uh, maybe it's their facial structure and because there's kind of this glorification actually within the forums of this, like, true incel identity Mm. because to get status within the group, you... You know, you have to show that, like, you belong there. You know, if you... Uh, I'm a loser, man. Yeah. 
because there's kind of this, there's a lot of conspiratorial thinking within the forum that like there are infiltrators. There are, <laughs> there are, there are handsome yeah, men among them. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> like, basically. So, you know. They found you out. <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, I think what's interesting, like watching that um, Four Corners documentary where, um, you know, they definitely took a different tack from a lot of other media. They certainly didn't shy away from what you, you've you been talking about, extreme mm. misogyny and violent ideation. But um, they also followed very closely a young guy and a young girl, a femme cell, which we can get to in a moment, um, and um, really just um, full of empathy, I suppose, mm. for them as individuals. And um, something that I thought was really interesting, especially with the young guy when they first started walking, kind of going through the world with him, was how, um, I guess, deeply um, programmed he was into to see the world a particular way mm. um, and how almost shocked he was that it wasn't the way that he'd been programmed to believe it was. So, so how does that happen? I mean, how, off, how are they literally spending their entire lives in these forums? Um, yeah, look, I guess it would depend on the person. Uh, I, from my own, you know, what I've kind of observed in conducting my own research is you will see certain users will be posting on pretty much every post. Uh, so there are some, there are many users that do tend to spend maybe hours and hours each day within these forums, you know, and, and I guess the appeal to that is that, you know, these are quite social forums, like people will become, will have friends within the forums. They will know different users. Like, and, you know, I do digital ethnography. That's my research method as a researcher. So I'm just like, they're watching everything. And I, I would come to kind of know particular users because they wrote in a particular style or they had, um, you know, particular jokes that, or, or they just, you know, we're kind of well-known figures within the community. So, you know, for, for some people who are very isolated there is that, you know, group solidarity that comes from that. I, I, and the, I guess the other thing we sort of hinted at it before, but the thing that really fascinated me, the thing I knew nothing about, was the the idea of a femme cell culture, the, the idea that this incredibly misogynistic subculture could have its sort of female offshoot. Could we talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'm actually looking at some kind of women's spaces that are emerging broadly discussing singleness uh, or dating strategies. And, and yeah, I, I mentioned at the start of the program how there's maybe uh, there's quite a lot of contest, contestation about mm. what mm. incel means. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's notable that involuntary celibacy was, uh, was coined by a, by a woman in this blog called Alana's uh, Involuntary Celibacy Project. I think that's... The, Anyway, it was from 1996. I love the way you're so such an academic because you're like, I cannot say the wrong words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I it just, was 1997, you won't sleep for a week. <laughs> I do parallel um, descriptors for everything on this show. <laughs> there, you could never be as, as uh, you know, misidentification, <laughs> misidentifying things as I do generally. So don't worry about it, Josh. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, I think, I think uh, it's important to highlight that, you know, 
while we're talking about incels and involuntarily celibate people, only a very small uh, amount of people who would fit that definition, uh, you know, would believe in these extremely mm. misogynistic beliefs. Mm. You know, I'm also looking at, there are other forums on Reddit that I'm looking at for, you know, other other men and women who are, you know, struggling being single, yeah, struggling with issues of loneliness or social isolation, and they don't subscribe to these misogynistic beliefs. And that's, you know, to the question earlier, I think that's something which maybe media reporting could do a bit better, the mm. distinguishing, like, you know, when incels are talking about these ideas and these beliefs, they're not talking on behalf of all involuntarily mm. celibate people. Like, that is such an enormous... Like population, um, and yeah, obviously as well, that includes women, mm. um, and notably, like there is a small, there are these small uh, online subcultures that specifically go by this fem cell label, so female incel, and they yeah. share many of the same, like broader kind of beliefs as, as male incels do. Like they they're not um, misogynistic so much, although. In some ways, they actually can be quite hateful towards other women. Right. In although a bit of background as well, incels, uh, male incels, are really critical of other men as well. Mm. Um, you know, but but in terms of say the really rigid ideas of what the role of men and the role of women mm. are in, in relation to that, is that something that, mo- that that would be kind of a core idea of a film cell group, or or would it be very again diverse? I think probably the most uh, consistent idea across both male incel and female incel uh, forums is this idea of lookism. So they, you know, they obviously in dating, you know, appearances do matter, of course, but they take it to a very deterministic extreme. They believe that because that they um, believe that they are ugly, they believe that the, you know, the dating world is against them and that they're never going to find a romantic partner and they're never going to be happy because of how they believe that they look. There was a guy in the Four Corners episode who was hitting his forehead with a hammer repeatedly to give him a more, you know, obtruding forehead because apparently that is a physical attribute that women find appealing. I mean, there's obviously such a deep self-hatred behind a lot of that. Um, Josh, you've got a report out or that recently um, uh, a report came out which looks at um, a couple of uh, Reddit um, forums that I spent some time in today and there were some really positive stories in there. I was just like, oh, this is – I'm getting quite emotional. (laughs) One's um, uh, Incel Exit and uh, X Red Pill. And it's kind of interesting because, you know – Reddit absolutely must take um, its uh, take responsibility for, you know, some pretty full on kind of uh, opinion forming and, uh, you know, echo chamber ism within some of its pages. So it's very interesting that a forum like that is also proving to provide a little bit of an off ramp for people who are perhaps exiting this ideology and coming back into mainstream thinking. Can you tell us about the report that you've just released? Yeah, sure. So I'm looking at these two forums. Uh, Admittedly, they're pretty small, Mm. Um, you know, less than 20,000 people for each forum. Uh, But they're really promising. You know, we've been talking about the the harms that 
incels present in terms of their misogynistic views and attitudes. And what these forums offer is a space for uh, men and actually sometimes women who want to move past these ideologies. They're, they're coming, normally coming to these forums at a place where you know, they're, they're quite desperate for a change in their lives or they've started to have doubts about those uh, forums, um, about those ideologies, I mean. And um, what sort of um, lessons can mainstream media learn from sort of these kind of more positive, um, I guess, creating space to, to tell these more positive stories about people getting out of that culture, which, which Four Corners admittedly did this week? Mm. Yeah, I, I thought the Four Corners program did a great job. I think it's really important to distinguish that, you know, in the incel ideology, it's it's really quite awful. It's it's really misogynistic. Uh, but you know, we must also recognise that people have the capacity to change. You know, they can move past these beliefs. If we want to see progress in you know battling uh, online misogyny, we have to have people you know change their minds on these views. And it's really promising what I'm finding in my research, like looking at these forums is that some people are successfully, you know, having a change of heart. Mm. You know, they're starting to see that there are, you know, really quite quite, quite significant flaws in these beliefs. Now, obviously and going... And finding joy in putting themselves on the line and, you know, I read one to post today, a young guy was like, went on a date and kissed a girl and asked her to be his girlfriend and, you know, like... It suddenly puts into perspective the intense kind of how intense the turmoil must be mm. and how extreme the loneliness must be that this is such a joyous, yeah. Yeah. you know, moment. Yeah. I mean, what, what I see, I think from a research kind of point of view, is it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, why people will write in their own words what led them to be radicalised and mm. also what led them to be de-radicalised. And what is really apparent is, you know, a lot of people are, you know, influenced by incel ideas because they're really lonely or they're really suffering from depression or have severe issues with their own, like, sense of body image. Um, but, you know, we... we we must also like recognise that people can then change from being in that dark spot. Mm. And what's really uh, promising about these forums is that often the people that are helping, uh, you know, these guys that are first coming to the forums, uh, wanting some change, you know, it'll be former incels, it'll mm. be former uh, red pillars. So it's really promising to see that. And and is that do you think is that our best hope in terms of a deradicalization in that area? Is is these sorts of forums? Is is that kind of I mean. Or is, I don't know, is that too passive to say, well, we'll let it take care of itself, the internet created this and it'll create the, the way out as well? Um, look, I, I personally have a lot of optimism in these forums and, you know, I've been doing media about this report this week because I want more people to know about this, mm -hmm. you know. I, a lot of, you know, incel forums are quite an echo chamber. Yeah. There's not much space allowed for alternative viewpoints. If they're coming to this forum, they can then see, you know, they can they can ask about, say, a certain idea that, and you know, they can get someone's viewpoint from outside of the manosphere. Mm. And what's promising as well is, you know, I know that 
as someone that has never been, you know, I've never identified with the incel term. I've never been part of that movement myself. You know, I know that a, someone from within the manosphere probably isn't going to listen to me. Like yeah. I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist researcher. They're not going to listen to me. You know, likewise, they're probably not going to listen to a random woman on the street. They're only going to listen to other people in this movement. But it but, also gives them a community to replace the other community, you know, if that absolutely. if that community was what they were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, because it's f- former, often former incels or former Manosphere people, like, you know, they know what it's like. They know how hard it can be to be, you know, in that space where you're believing these views and they know how disorienting it can be coming out again mm-hmm. so yeah i i think that grassroots community i think there's so many adv- advantages inherent to that and i guess if the media was to report on that as well what it says to me is this isn't um this isn't a you know um big, growing, horrible kind of um, subculture that we know nothing about and can't do anything about. Mm. I think it's, if, as soon as you show chinks in it, then you can mm. just say, oh, well, actually, it, it can be pulled apart. It, mm. can, it can disappear, not disappear, but it can at least not be as big as it's been kind of or as impactful as perhaps it's um, been made out to be. Um, just one last question. How on earth did you get into this line of research, Josh? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it goes back a few things. I was always, I kind of decided I did, I studied criminology um, and I was an undergrad, you know, just looking at the criminal justice system, what is the most pressing area of concern? It's, it's violence against women, it's family and domestic violence. So I always kind of wanted to work in that space. I had a bit of a change in my life. I ended up doing an internship where I was researching uh, terrorism. So I was looking at radicalization on social media. But in that instance, I was looking at uh, jihadism online and also the alt-right online. When I started doing my honours project, I wanted to kind of, you know, I, I, I enjoyed what I was doing and I, I find looking at, you know, online radicalization more broadly and far-right groups quite interesting, but I I wanted to come back to, you know, that family violence Mm. and domestic violence issue. And I think, you know, I only had vaguely heard about incels. I didn't know much about what I was getting myself into. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I wanted to... It felt like a good middle ground. Yeah. So, yeah. And you mentioned... um, um, I'm just going to, you know, out you a bit here. (laughs) Please um, (laughs) That as you were sort of first getting into it was when we were kind of all in lockdown and you were sort of living on your own, isolated, spending time in these forums. Did that give you an opportunity to see some kind of, to understand a little bit what some of these guys were going through? And did did those forums explode in that time? Um, Look, I'm not sure about the second question. I don't really know. Yeah. I'm not really across the kind of statistics of how how popular they have been over time. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I I, I think it certainly added to my sense of empathy for, for, you know, the the individuals in this group. Now, I I don't sympathise with their beliefs at all, Mm. but I do empathise with a lot of the individuals. They're in a really difficult point in their life and, you know, I, I feel for them. And I guess, you know, during... Uh, the midst of 2020, I was living alone 
it was a very difficult time. Like 2020 mm. sucked for most people. Um, and, you know, the point, I guess, what was the general gist of the conversation in incel forums while I was researching them that year was just a massive sense of shout and fraud. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they, they were celebrating their pandemic. They were like, everyone's living like us now. And you know what? They, they weren't wrong. I I was living like them a lot. I, I, and it wasn't a good time in my life. And I, I was very, I was really quite depressed. I was quite lonely and I was quite anxious and it wasn't a nice way to live my life. Oh, just to amplify that by hanging out with, uh, in forums that are com- that really push that to its nth degree. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made it out, and I'm glad that um, that that you're doing this research. It's really important. Thank you so much for joining us on Spin Cycle tonight, Josh. Independent Melbourne Radio Three Triple R. What an amazing conversation. Mm. It was, um, I would encourage people to, if you didn't watch it and, and you didn't enjoy, well, you know, were interested in, in this world that Josh, you know, because it's really interesting for me, these sorts of cultures and hearing it from someone like Josh who is researching it because you don't, it is so rare that you or anyone you know will become part of that world yeah. that, that you only understand it via you know, media reports or, you know, I'm not going to just wander in, wander into an incel culture, incel forum. But the fact is that it is um, an influential point of view and it does um, drift out, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that that's sort of um, something that I really thought about was that, you know, I have friends or, or, or not even friends, like acquaintances, people I've known, people I still see on Facebook, I went to high school with or whatever, and they're not... They, well, I wouldn't know, if, obviously, I don't really talk to them, but it's not out now, it's in cell stuff, but it has a lot of overlaps with a lot yeah. of the terminology and a lot of the worldview yeah. of informing this idea that, that, that a decent guy can't win. And yeah. I don't know, it's it's so, you go, oh, I can I can so see by a, by a tiny increments yeah. how you would become that person. Yeah, I, I would encourage you to watch that Four Corners episode because it's really interesting the way they – the brutality of it, they didn't shy away from, you know, that the guy who was hitting himself with a hammer, there was a guy who wrote a song about shooting up a school, you know, mm. like it was confronting. But then they also, you know, um, went really deep with these two young people who were obviously just depressed and, you know, really uh, alone and yeah, yeah. and were deep had deep self you know, they, yeah. they didn't see, they didn't value themselves or didn't have any sort of, um, yeah. And it, yeah, no, it does, it does always seem to come from a place of, of real pain and, mm. and humiliation, I think, is a real, yeah. is a real thing, especially for a lot of the, the guys that end up a feeling that they had to be redeemed as men. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that go into that. And it's, it is very, it's, a, it's, it's above all the other things it is, it's, 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 it's quite a sad thing to witness. Sad. And also, though, you can't, under, you can't, um, underestimate how also how violent it is. Oh, sure. Um, there is a segue into another news story. We're just going to wallow in the mire this week. <laughs> Maybe we'll try and do something more positive next week. But um, there was there was some real overlap there with, with that conversation and, um, you know, something that's in the news this week is 
that Biatch from the UK, Kelly J. Keane Minchel, and or what you know, what the other cute moniker she gives herself, who has been doing her turf tour of Australia, a failed tour, uh, mm. one might add, and it's she's obviously getting increasingly frustrated with it. Um, but it has drawn some media attention, and you know, particularly for the violence and the. Um, you know the company that has um, has seen alignment with her and come out onto the streets. It was pretty confronting to see, um, you know, Nazis uh, under police protection um, goose stepping around Spring Street on mm. the weekend. But I did, you know, I, I I watched one of the speeches. I'm like, you know, I'll I'll listen, I'll see what it's about. It's just so I know. And the, the 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 speech that I watched, which was one, so the whole point of this this idea of this tour was, you know, it's called Let Women Speak or some bullshit. But um, one of the women who got up in Melbourne, she basically described her radicalization into this, um, right, right. I- into this um, sort of um, kind of ideology, this real anti-trans um, ideology. And she she literally started by saying, you know, I used to be part of the moderate left, and then like a lot of people in lockdown. I was online. I spent a lot of time online, and I under, and then I saw the truth, you know, and I saw the, and it was like, right, okay, you're just describing someone who was spent a lot of time alone, radicalized on the internet, you yeah. know, and and that that um that that dynamic and that 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 journey is mappable in a lot of different. Uh, you know, anti-vax movements and um, COVID conspiracy theories. Movements riven with hate and Pot- fear. Yeah, a lot of them come from from profound isolation in the search for a community. And, yeah. And I guess also for, yeah, for the search for someone to pin the way that your life is not great at the moment, mm. someone to pin that on. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think it's very important to sort of uh, clarify that um, someone like uh, Minchil does not um, – give a a halfpenny jizz to use the words of our, of our shared country does not does not care one jot about women's rights no absolutely um, not it's all i mean it's like for example Eddie Izzard. uh she said that she was going to run against Eddie Izzard. and why on, on that can only be because it's not she's not i don't think she's from Sheffield central it's just that she didn't want someone who identified as transgender mm. to get into parliament they ha- that had to be sort of shut down it's it's a, it's a very it's a singular and um yes yeah, i think also once once um neo nazis are, are showing up at your speeches and offering their full-throated approval well she has uh, she's actively courted the far right there's no there's no accident there she's done podcasts with you know members of the far right she's stood side by side with proud boys on the same Tommy Robinson I believe yeah, I double, yeah. there's no um yeah there's the, there's no question question there in terms of sort of bringing it back to media response um in this country once it did sort of become all about optics and did get picked up by mainstream media. I think um, one of the real things that undid, undid her and just turned her to her into a laughing stock was the fact that a lot of our media, including mainstream media, including mainstream news media, television news media, sought comment from trans people and mm. trans protesters 
um, before they sought comment from anyone who had anything to do with her too. And I also want to be clear that, you know, in terms of this link between that the, that her and her cohort are, are denying between her and the far right, one of the um, – or the organisation that paid for her tour is uh, headed up by a woman who was once an – her former public life was an anti-Islamist and what was that? There was a political party that lasted a hot minute um, – which was a far-right political party. I can't even remember what it was called now. And she was kind of running for them as well. So the links are, you know, undeniable. Um, but I thought it was, I thought, you know, on the whole, apart from the fact that there were some weird anom- anomalies, like in Melbourne um, the week before um, Nick uh, McKenzie. McKenzie had done a great um, in-depth piece um, with um, the help of um, White Rose about the... Um, the infiltration into uh, the army, armed forces and mm. some police forces by um, known kind of Nazi um, dude bros <laughs> in this country. <laughs> there was no age presence at the uh, at, uh, in Melbourne on Saturday. There was no report, which was interesting. It was covered um, by other media outlets. It was covered by news, news.com.au and and Channel 9 and a couple of others. But I thought that was, you know, yeah, worth noting it, for the, for I mean, the local paper. It got paper. quite a lot of coverage afterwards, especially in, yes, in Melbourne, of course. because uh, well, for, because the Nazis showed up, but also because uh, of uh, Victorian Liberal uh, MP uh, Moira. Um, Moira, Moira Deeming was there and it's, it's become the catalyst for uh, new opposition leader John Pazuzzo to, I think, to his credit, to try and expel her from the parliamentary party. Um, and it's, again, it's a, it's a sign of what the Liberal Party... Um, in this state has become that there's quite a few people who are trying to keep her in, but that's a different, that's, that's a separate story, but that's, that's interesting that the, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what went on behind the scenes about whether that was actually something that everyone knew about before the, the I think people were caught off up. guard, Yeah, but you know, it's not hard to get a journalist down into no. the city. You would know <laughs> no. <laughs> no, to spring street. <laughs> <laughs> to spring street. <laughs> they, might, they might already be there for something else. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there were a couple of usual sp- suspects and I feel like I'm sort of prepared in my mind because I spent so long talking about this on Twitter this week, but I don't have my, my facts. So um, what's her name? Pamela. Uh, oh, McGuinness. Yes, yes. Who um, is a is a columnist for um, in the for the nine facts, Fairfax papers um, did. And her and, uh, you know, one of the usual suspects over over in um Sky Territory or um, Murdoch Territory did sort of run with the line on social media about, oh, were they really Nazis? They didn't look like it. They looked like they were cosplaying, which, again, a lot of people shut – a lot of other media shut down immediately because they were clearly identifiable um, people who weren't covered up. A lot of them were wearing balaclavas, but there were four or five guys who weren't and, you know, there was, um, you know – Jamon Roberts, who was in the paper last year for um, for um, painting Nazi swastikas all over Caulfield, right, right, and yeah. There oh was yeah, I mean, there Thomas, was... what's his name, Thomas Sewell, who Sewell, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and he he and quite a few other figures in those pictures, as you say, they they weren't hiding their presence there. No, and, and anyone who knows anything about those groups would be able to recognise those people. One hundred percent. And if you're working for a media organisation. Uh, and you are call yourself a journalist, or or, a, or you know, yeah. I think to tweet something like that without 
even you know bothering to take a cursory glance is just um is just uh being incredibly disingenuous I, I, and I, I do want to be i want to be fair on on uh Parnell uh here because since then she has i believe she deleted that tweet okay and she has said that she's now said these are your people good luck denying it after today nazi should never be tolerated and then she's she's retweeted some context about how this is not the first time that Nazis have shown up at, at events like this. They can't keep denying their links. I'll, so we'll give her credit that she... She went back. She went back and she, she revised that and didn't dig in. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Took a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess you haven't made a mistake, Jess. <laughs> well, no, I, what I was no. going to... The point that I was going to make, and that actually, you know, illustrates it, was that the the feeble efforts of very few people to try and roll out these well-worn sort of... Um, obfuscations mm, uh, mm. in this um, vicious sometimes um, kind of, it's not even a debate, it, anti-trans, um, you know, um, public kind of discourse, uh, it, these efforts have been shut down in this country, you know, and I think that that was one of the positive things that came out of seeing all the all of that awfulness over the weekend and you know we had Jackie on a couple of weeks ago yeah 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 and and she and a lot of um you know she she was doing doing the work throughout the week and the weekend and and a lot of people listened a lot of media did seem to listen and to 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 step away from that um did you know didn't go, follow through with that choice yeah 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 to to you know support hate yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I mean, obviously, all this comes with the provider. There's still a, a huge amount of work to be done. And if you see some of the reporting, especially from, say, the Daily Telegraph, about uh, the violence that occurred at the um, the Catholic Church in New South Wales oh, yeah. um, with uh, the Christian Lives Matters groups attacking um, uh, trans rights activists, uh, LGBTQI um, sort of in general activists, um, you know, and some of the, the sympathetic reporting of the, the pit perpetrators of that violence. You know, you, there is still there is still work to be done. But I do, I do, I do think you're right, and I think that it was there is some there is some optimism to know that we're not quite as far gone as the discourse seems to be in in the UK and in the United States, and that there is you know that the future is unwritten and that we can create something a little bit better for ourselves here. That's pretty much all we've got time for. See you next week, Charlie. See you next. Oh well, I won't be in next week. Oh, of course. Well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Sample, at Lily Juice, and at The Shuffle Diary. You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this. <laughs>